Cheers. Cheers. I'm Kana. I'm Ambi. Welcome to the Plumacy Games. Oh, yeah. And we're at the, um, the Sound Garden. The Sound Garden, which for the first time stopped playing music since we literally the whole time we've been here they've been just pumping it out whilst we recorded a Patreon episode and the moment that we press record the music stopped the guy's taking a breather it's like really slow reggae actually it's a proper live act some dude singing that's what I'm saying like I was saying this a bit yeah anyway but yeah yeah okay so if you want to know what Kane is talking about um, chop in the cup (laughs) chip in a couple of bucks for a Patreon episode and we talked about that I think we did. We definitely did. We talked about slow reggae. Yeah. Um, this is a back-to-back episode too, so if we're a little bit more, I'm slurry, definitely a little bit slurry. Yeah, well, I, I know. Can we'll, feel we're it. onto our third pint right now. Fourth for me. Fourth. Well, I'm on holidays. Did you have like and a? I came in a little bit earlier. Right. And had a pint. Where at? Down the road. Which? <laughs> Which way are you pointing? Well, when you say down the road, it's like the way, how far away you pointed, like it was like where you live. No. I don't know what the story is with this girl there. She's been standing there for about 10, 15 minutes now. Well, young females do that when they're waiting for their partners. And they keep playing with their phone. I know. Yeah. Anyway, down, down the road. Irish joint. Irish joint. O'Doolies or whatever. Oh! Finn McCool's. Yeah. Okay. There you go. See how we go. We might stumble there. We might do the Patreon down there. Yes. Um, Anyway, we do have an interview lined up. We do. Yes. So, um, hang on. What are we drinking? Oh yes, we're drinking the uh, the Four Pines Pale Ale. I compared it to a Bluestone, which makes no sense. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. So, how would you put that in diplomacy terms? Right. Um, I would put it as a as an Italian takeover of Munich in 1901 but you know there's no way you're going to be able to hold it. Oh, it's a up, that's cool. Um, I reckon it is playing as France, bouncing in the English Channel, bouncing in Burgundy and you picked up Spain. Okay, bit yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I only got this one because on tap they didn't really have a huge amount to choose from, and I didn't think another 150 lashes was in order. I thought we should change. Yeah. I think the second one of these will be sweeter than the first. I think the second one of these would be too much. Different, different brand. And I didn't get any wine because the wine is pretty crap on the list. Actually, no, it wasn't crap. It was crap and expensive. Not up to anyway. your high standards. No, 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 no. No, no, no. 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 We need to go to a wine bar one time, Kayla. Actually, I think we went to one once, but they didn't have much wine. It's a spirit. We've been to, a, we've been to wine bars. There was one down the road here we went to once. Remember, it was next door to that bar that changed twice. It's still there. It's another joint. No, we've been there already. No. It was sticking fucking hot. I remember that. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Like fucking most of summer in this bloody god yeah, like, part of the world. <laughs> that's right. Fuck. Anyway, so um, okay, so so we're recording this now at the beginning of July. So by the time this episode comes out, it'll probably be mid to late July. And Ambie's there. He's, he's, he looks like he's freezing. 
Me? Yeah. Now? Yeah. No. It's fucking cold. No, I'm not cold. No. Mate, I lived, in, I lived in the UK for two and a half years. This is fucking... This is like... Balmy. Balmy. Ready to take off my shirt and start lying around and get a suntan. Except for the fact that there's no sun out. <laughs> okay, all right. But the amount of people walking past who look like they're rubbed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Except for the young people. They're all dolled up in Because... Yeah, and, and the dudes that look like Chris Martin walking up and down the street selling drugs. <laughs> yeah, <those> guys. <laughs> if, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, go back to the last episode and the Patreon episode before that. There's a few Chris Martins walking up and down. Um, Here's another dude. It's the same dude as the second, second, second dude. He's shaking. He's like he's shaking his hands. And this time he's got cash in one of his hands. Cashews? Cash. Cash. Fuck it. Is he carrying cash or is he carrying... Fuck, he is too. What's he carrying around? It's like a 10 buck, 20 bucks. So this is the advantage um, for our American listeners. Someone who's walking past at, what, 10, 15 metres, you can actually tell how much, what the actual denominations they've got because Australians colour their money <laughs> to, to different colours <laughs> so you can work out what the fuck the money is. Especially after you've had too many points. You know how much money you need to know about. Now, our American friends would probably say this is because you are stupid fucking Australians and you can't tell the difference between what a 10 and a 20 is unless you give it a different colour. <laughs> it just makes sense. It works. It does work. And especially when you're kind of a bit pissed. Not that we kind of use cash nowadays anyway. Everything's all tap and go. How do drug dealers get by with all tap and go? They get around with their posts. Do they? Apple Pay. Maybe the high tech ones do. Maybe like your Uber drugs. Uber drugs. Deliver anything? Uber Eats? Probably. Um, anyway, so, um. This is, you, well, this is the you can, this Sorry, is sorry folks, this is what happens when we have, like, you know, a back to back after many, many drinks. So, um, either apologies or. Yay. Um, I think we should jump into the interview. Yeah, good idea. So, back in. Fuck now. Late June, the Boston Massacre was on, and uh, that was a online tournament that was held, um, obviously, virtually out of the Boston area. Well, it's a face-to-face tournament held virtually. Yeah, normally it's face-to-face. That's right. Yeah, not 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 a online tournament held virtually. No, it's a face-to-face tournament that's gone online because of COVID. Because of COVID, yes, and being responsible. Yes. On so um, I participated in that, which was the uh, in the second round because the first round was like started at uh, twelve o'clock at night Australia time, and I wasn't prepared to play throughout the evening. I like my beauty sleep, like my sleep. So um, as part of that, I was in a game where I drew France. Yep. And um, those of you who are familiar with the American scene, um, there were many, many players in that that everybody knew, which was interesting as an Australian. But also in that game was um, um, Zachary Moore, who is from the Minnesota Diplomacy Club. Yes. And he also has been organising and running some of their tournaments that have been run online as well. So uh, I played France, he played Austria. And uh, we decided to catch up after the game, a bit of a bit of an interview, and talk about the game, talk about where things are at at the moment with the um, 
COVID situation and their online game and stuff and things like that. So how about we have a listen? All right, here we go. Zach Moore, welcome to the uh, Diplomacy Games show. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be on. <laughs> I'm glad we've got you on instead of uh, Zachary Taylor. He'd be very, very, um, very boring and very quiet, I think, if we had him on. Um, seeing just before, just before we started, I kind of threw the, the show over to the incorrectly named um, um, guy who was on my screen who happens to be a former president. Um, this is a bloody terrible opening. Sorry about that, Zach. <laughs> I mean, we're we're going to see a lot more bad openings once we start talking about the game. Oh, geez, that's <laughs> that hurts because it's true. Um, so, what, one of the, the main the main thing we've got you on is is um, it was only last week, wasn't it, that we played this game at the Boston Massacre in round two? That's right. Yep, last week today to the day. Wow, geez, that. Strangely enough, it feels like a very, very long time ago because I was on I was on holidays. I started holidays and um, had such a wonderful holiday that it seems to be like you know years ago that we last played. So um, this was a a um, a game which was I think I was France and you were uh, Austria. Correct. And um, I mean I don't know about you, but when because because you've um, previously we've been in touch about a couple of different things. Um, the the fact that we were together, I think, in the same game, I thought was oh, this is this is going to be fun. This is going to be cool. There's going to be a good chance to um, to, to to talk to Zach and maybe work with him and see where things go. But um, apart from some very very early communication, it didn't really kind of get there, did it, between you and I in the game? No, not not at all. I mean, we I we would kind of check in with each other every year or two, mostly just to be friendly and say hello but we we just did not get the kind of collaboration we thought we'd get and um why do you think that was well i think a, a big reason was you had a good thing going with your buddies in the west um and it was there i could never there was never really a good pitch i had to make to you or working together, in my opinion. I tried to give you some very bad pitches, but you didn't take those. <laughs> well, I, I think at the start, we didn't. Well, there wasn't much pitches going on, was there, from, from your end? It was this case initiative, hey, how's it all going, blah, blah, blah. And, and you're 100% mm-hmm. correct. I was lucky enough, I think, um, I started having an early conversation with, I can't remember if it was England or whether it was um, Germany, and... One of the others jumped in at one point of time because this was being run on Discord, where people seem to be able to gate crash your um, your communication in the separate rooms that you were in, which is kind of a bit like you know real life diplomacy, isn't it? You can kind of walk into a room where someone's kind of in a huddle and you know conspiring in the corner and say, "Oh, can I join in and have a little bit of chat?" Um, but very very early on, these guys were like, you know, we start saying, "Oh yeah, let's 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 have a Western triple," and um, I think, and also that being said, because Germany was a, a, a new player, he hadn't actually. This was his first time actually in a in a tournament. Uh, whilst England uh, was a bit of a an old hand, and um, we were all quite keen for the idea. And I thought, you know, I've never actually successfully done a Western triple, 
and we, and I think England was the same. He's like, well, I've never done a Western triple. And, and Germany being new, he said, look, I don't really care. I just want to stay in the game for as long as possible. And this is probably the best way of doing it. And I was just surprised at the beginning that everybody actually kept to their word for their opening move. So um, England kind of opened to the north in, you know, uh, North Sea and Norwegian Sea. Uh, I moved out to MAO and Spain. Um, and Germany started heading up north. The only real area that things were a little bit dicey at our end was um, Munich moved to Ruhr and Paris moved to Burgundy, and that was because initially we talked about effectively um, bouncing in Munich so that uh, it looked like maybe there was a little bit of more tension happening in the West than there really was. Um, And it was very, very clear in that first spring move um, that... Um, and this is this has got a lot to do with the uh, the backstabber interface that there was a um, a very close uh, arrangement occurring immediately between Turkey and Russia. Um, the fact that uh, neither of them contested the Black Sea, and in fact Sevastopol um, sent support in air quotes for uh, Ankara to Constantinople. Um, and, and then there was rumour very very quickly running around the board that uh, those two players had worked together before in other games. I would have thought at that time, as Austria, seeing um, that opening from Russia and Turkey would have probably got you uh, not so much quaking in your boots, but thinking, "Oh, geez, I'm up for a bit of a challenge here." What was your What was your thinking when you saw that opening? That's exactly right. the The alarm bells started going off. They started ringing quite loudly in my head, and so my whole mentality then is, "I just, just what can I do to claw them apart?" and I think that had a big an outsized effect on the game because that it really made me so preoccupied on Russia and Turkey that I I really didn't care what you were up to in the West. I wasn't thinking Western triple. I wasn't focused Western triple. I was talking to Italy about how can we pull these two off of each other because otherwise we're going to have a long long night. Yeah, and um, so if we kind of fast forward then into autumn. Um, you and oh yeah, you were trying to take Romania. Russia kind of took it with um, Ukraine support from Sevastopol. Bulgaria is automatically attacking you. Uh, the fleet and con is goes blue water into the Aegean. So uh, understandably, uh, it makes perfect sense that you were, you and um, Italy were kind of teaming up at that point to say, okay, let's let's at least the two of us stick together. Uh, because it's probably the only way you're going to to survive in that space. Um, meanwhile, the Western Triple becomes more obvious with um, Denmark um, contesting Sweden to block Russia going into it from Gulf of Bithynia. Uh, Edinburgh kind of gets convoyed across to Norway. Um, Kiel goes into Holland. We have this um, bounce going on in Munich. Uh, I moved Spain to Portugal and MAEO to Spain's south coast, uh, which I think some people started going, oh, okay, this is, you could see something was going on there because I think most people would normally just keep the army in Spain and move the fleet to Portugal, but I wanted to be able to move quickly into the Western Med uh, if if I needed to, to kind of just start smashing into Italy. Um, Yes. So I'm kind of thinking, that, and, and I know Italy started reaching out to me at that point in time going, ah, what's your plans? And I wasn't kind of very committal, committed to him. Oh, sorry, I wasn't committal to him on anything. 
And I was very vague and I kind of indicated that, look, at the moment things seem to be a Western triple, but I really don't know. I kind of have strong suspicions, you know, England's going to do something and, you know, and stab or do something, which was just bullshit. Um, of course. <laughs> Um, at least you were able to pick up two uh, two builds at the start because you, you obviously moved into Serbia and then Albania moved into Greece with Serbian. Oh, yeah, actually, no, yeah, you're right because because Bulgaria went to try to cut Serbia, you went straight into Greece. Um, That's right. So we then get to, um, builds with Vienna and Trieste for yourself. Um, come spring, you move up into Galicia, which is smart move. Um, surprised that. Russia didn't build. Where did he build? Was it Moscow? Or he something? built. Yeah, he built Army Moscow. Yeah. And this was a point where I should have, if like, if I made a mistake in this game, it was 1902. I mean, if I made a mistake, of course I made a mistake. Uh, it was 1902, and Russia was John Jameson. He was kind of looking at the Western Triple and saying, "Hey, we should get." Uh, a Russia, Austria, Turkey going to to bat this thing back, and he, so that's why he built the army Moscow. He was trying to signal to me that the Russia Turkey was off and the Russia Austria Turkey was on, ah. and I I really should have picked that up. I mean, I I was a little too boneheaded, just so focused on what I had seen in 01 that I I wasn't paying attention to what happened. And so even though I like you know. Moving into Galicia, probably tactically a strong move. I wish I had been getting in a room with these two, Russia and Turkey, together and talking talking triple on our end at that point. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing Moscow and I thought that was a confusing move. It kind of – it was not confusing. It kind of looked like a bit of a defensive move, like not wanting to piss anybody off because – I expected probably a build in St. Petersburg to, you know, either um, take Norway or a Warsaw to kind of prevent any moves your way. So it probably made sense, but um, it wasn't clear to me at the time either. So you ended up then moving up to Galicia. And at this point of time, Turkey's still kind of continuing to tap you in Greece. Um, yes. So at that point, you're thinking, okay, well, no, 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 there's no, you know, Russia, Austria, Turkey thing happening still. So it's still you and, and uh, Italy working together. Uh, Italy, meanwhile, I think has well and truly worked out that I'm coming for him with um, fleet builds in Brest and Marseille, moving uh, Spain South Coast into Western Med. Fortunately, he was um, a, a smart enough guy to work out, okay, a fleet Rome is needed um, in these circumstances. Um, yep. Meanwhile, Germany now heads uh, east and starts moving into Cilicia to threaten Warsaw, uh, moves Berlin up to the Baltic, uh, successfully gets into Sweden with um, English help. So on, on your side of the board, uh, what was the murmurings or had it become more shouting at that point around the Western Triple? <laughs> On my side of the board, it was still murmurings, and and really the only one raising the alarm was was still Russia, was still John, and he proposed a set of moves to me, which will really, it, it pro, I'm sure you'll share the link in the description or something if anyone wants to watch watch along. But in, 
it'll really clear up what happens in Fallout 2. John wanted to do, you know, me moving into Bohemia from Galicia. He moves Romania to, to Galicia, and we, we hit Germany hard and fast right there. Um, Turkey was upset with Russia because Russia had declined his support into Serbia the year before. And so he, he was frustrated and just wanted to get back at Russia. So that's why uh, he... Actually, now I'm seeing he did not give me the support that he promised. I didn't notice that in the game. He promised me support into Romania and did not give it. But I thought that he had. Uh, but that was that's kind of what, what led to me taking Romania here. And which got me into a lot of trouble because Germany dropped from Munich into Tyrolia. You put all your fleets in the Med and all of a sudden uh, the, the East was eating ourselves instead of fighting back against the West. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, this was not looking good. And so at this point of time, I think for, for the East, um, particularly with, I think I was working on the basis and I was actually putting um, um, feelers, I actually had been talking a little bit to, who was Turkey? Was it Jason? Jason, yep. Yeah. And, and he and I had some early good conversations. When I say good conversations, they were amicable conversations around you know, you head in from, um, you know, the Eastern Mediterranean, I'll head in for the Western Mediterranean, we'll just carve up Italy. Um, although I, I, you probably didn't have the same situation, but I, I found later on in the game, Jason was very, very hard to get a hold of. Uh, and in fact, all of us in the Western Triple were um, getting quite exasperated with him because um, a little, a, a couple, well, maybe we'll just, I'll, I'll, I might just pause that for a second and go ahead a little bit more into uh, 1903 when things become a little bit more solid around this um, alliance in the East and alliance in the West. Um, so we get to spring 1903. And at this point of time, this is when you're starting to help Russia out. So with Russia moving from Ukraine back into Warsaw with Moscow support and your support from Galicia, um, you're then vacating Romania to go back into Vienna to take the pressure off Germany, who uh, at this point in time moved Munich to Bohemia. Um, Tyrolia ended up trying to support me and Piedmont into Venice, uh, which didn't work because of the uh, the Rome support. Um, so again, it was becoming, I think, um, not not obvious now. It was it was from 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 the western side of the board. It was like okay, so the penny penny is at last dropped in the east, and, and you guys are, are onto <laughs> us at last. Um, and this was so. This was what I was going to get at with Jason. Around this time was when uh, any of us in the west were trying to get a hold of um, any of you guys. You were you were pretty good. You know what I mean. I think we we did continue to have chats on and off. Um, I didn't have – I had a little bit of chat to John but not a lot because there was no real need for me to work with him too much at this point. But I was trying to talk to Jason. And literally I'd kind of – he'd be like in a room by himself and I'd jump in and say, oh, yeah, and I'd start talking. He'd say, oh, can you leave, please? I'm, I'm waiting for somebody. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. I can understand that. But this happened all the bloody time, you know what I mean? I got to about four or five times, and it wasn't just me. It was anyone from the West that would kind of just move into a thing, and he'd say, no, 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 go away. I'm, I'm, I'm busy at the moment, even though there was nobody there. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of that. I, I, I did notice that 
a couple of times, uh, and I, I just laughed to myself. I said, well, I guess the fewer of my enemies he's talking to, the better, so I won't step in and stop that. Yep. Um, so, uh, and you guys may or may not have picked this up. So in, in spring 1903, I started getting my first little bit of um, spidey senses going off around potential uh, danger from England. So I moved my Spain unit up to Gascony because I was worried that um, the English in Belgium could theoretically have moved straight into the English Channel if you wanted to stab me and take Brest. So I started thinking, mm, I need to start just playing a little bit safe because I'm, I'm going very heavy in the med and um, had effectively left my um, my whole you know front pa- patio wide open. Uh, mind you, everyone else was the same. So um, I think Germany was a little bit paranoid a little bit because he kind of continued to maintain an army in Holland just in case. Um, and let me go for a little bit now. So fall 1903, not much is happening. Um, Holland moved into – oh, yeah, I remember this one. So in fall 1903, <laughs> yeah. Germany and Holland moved into Belgium, which was owned by England, uh, at the same time that Germany then attacked uh, Sweden, which was run by the English, um, effectively depriving uh, – England of two supply centres at this point, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, it looks like England was in German-owned Sweden, but that had looked like an arrangement between the two. Oh, yes, that's what what happened. You're correct. Absolutely correct. Um, So I don't know if you guys thought that there was something going on and a stab happening or not, but, but that was... It was an arrangement, but I believe it was a late negotiated arrangement. So they they did um, England did move out in fall, um, or there, yeah, that's right. Anyway, so I, I can't remember what happened in that particular space. Um, down on mm-hmm. our side of the board, we're starting to get the first um, oh, counter attack, I guess, from the east with um, you moving from Galicia into Cilicia with uh, Russian support from Warsaw, uh, which obviously then could put some pressure on Berlin or Munich, both of which were then wide open. Uh, Meanwhile, you've got Trieste and Vienna um, smashing Tyrolia, which, of course, cuts all the support for me trying to get into Venice um, whilst I'm now trying to get into that particular space. Um, And I'm still... This is this is where I was getting concerned that I had no easy ability to build, and I knew I needed something up north in case I got stabbed from my um, English ally. But I just couldn't make any ground um, due to the fact that you and and Italy at this point were thick as thieves. Um, right. Whilst Turkey continued to kind of eat up bits of of Italy. Um, when it came to your relationship between those two players, trying to, you know, obviously you'd, you'd been working with Italy the whole game, but, um, you know, you're potentially working there with, uh, well, you were working there with Turkey at this point because you were supporting Bulgaria into Romania, which must have been, a, I assume, a planned move? Yes, yeah. So the original plan was I went to, to Russia in spring of 03 and kind of with my tail between my legs and said shouldn't have done that if i just walk right out and you take it back can we 
can we start with a, with a clean slate? And he said, yeah. So I walked out in the spring, Russia walked in, and then Jason Maspum, Silver Tongue, uh, convinced Russia that he needed a build for some reason. <laughs> she didn't. Uh, and, and, and so he, he got John to agree to let him take Romania by way of disbandment. So we set it up so that I'd support a, Turkey and Romania and Russia would pop the fleet and then the fleet's gone. And he got the, the one bright side was that he got a rebuild. So he got to rebuild that as an army at the very least. Which was a smart move to be able to make sure you maintain um, that 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 um, defense in in the in Moscow. Um, so that made a lot of sense. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that that's all good. Um, going ahead, now we're into nineteen hundred and four. Your now pushing back against uh, Bohemia, um, Bohemia is kind of effectively moving, you know, moving backwards to Munich to kind of safeguard things there. Um, this is when I was going. Uh, I'm, I'm in the. I'm really not going to get through in, into Italy. I was trying to convince um, Jason as Turkey early on. I said, okay, so what we need to be able to do is, is kind of, you know, we'll just divide up the um, the Italian centre. So obviously from the beginning there was pretty much four. I'll take. I'll take Tunis and 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 Venice. You have you have Naples and Rome, um, not knowing, yeah. of course, that he had a totally different plan, which was uh, uh, he'd like all of those four, please. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the type of plans Jason typically makes. So, have you played with him much before, or was it just more a reputational thing? I've I've played with him in regular games only a couple times. He was at. The, uh, there was a really well-run, fun tournament in Montana that I think you you may have spoken about on your show called SkyCon. And Jason and I were there together, and I, I I don't think we worked together. I think we probably fought on our board. But he's pretty active in the gunboat games that we play. So I've played with him probably several dozen times in, in gunboat diplomacy, but not regular press diplomacy. Okay. Um. So, spring 904, any other thoughts on where things were at at that point? We've got the uh, movement of England back into Sweden whilst um, Germany moves down to the Baltic and so forth. Um, and, yeah, let's go to... We had, an, we had a nice attempted... There's a nice attempted stab here where we, we tried to cut out Russia again. We tried to cut out John. He... he he popped in and said, hey, guys, I'm moving Sevastopol to you. And so as soon as he left the room, Jason and I were saying, well, if he's moving Sevastopol to Ukraine, why don't you move to Sevastopol and I'll move to Romania and, and we'll take those builds and do this thing without him. Because um, uh, he got down he, to two, didn't he, at one stage? At one stage, yes. Uh, I think it might have been shortly after this because he this move did not make him happy and he retaliated by kind of throwing I think throwing I think he's going to throw his army self down towards us soon. <laughs> um so why 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 did you and, and Jason do that whilst you're too busy fighting at the moment against Germany? I mean you wouldn't have probably got much out of this deal at all. It would all be to Turkey's advantage, wouldn't it? So positionally for me, he's got an army in Romania 
And if it's in SEV, then it's not touching my centers anymore. Yep. So I'm happy to do that and be more secure. Okay. And meanwhile, you also were moving potentially Serbia up to Romania. So if it did happen, then you weren't going to be disadvantaged. In fact, you're the one who's probably going to pick up a supply center. Yes, I'm picking up one. into Greece. Yep. Was that? And that was arranged. Okay. That was a, yep. We cut a deal and he fulfills his end of the deal in the fall, Mm -hmm. um, which I was nervous about. His end of the deal was supporting me into Venice. So this is when we kind of cut Italy out of, well, he was already attacking Italy, but this was my stab of Italy. Jason put me into Venice and that, made up for uh, the the Greece center. It was just a swap. Okay. So we're going to fall 1904. Germany successfully takes Warsaw. So this is when um, Russia is down to two supply centers at this point between just Sev and Moscow. Um, yes. But Sev and so, – so – Russia and Turkey are uh, both seem to be attacking each other between seven and Romania. So right, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much of that was. That might have just been a little poke, just a little nudge, just to keep them honest. <laughs> okay. Um, with the move of Germany from Cilicia into Warsaw, you were able to successfully then get Galicia to backfill Cilicia, uh, yes. which then gave you a bit of leverage then around the uh, Munich situation or, or Berlin. So um, once again, you're, you're starting to be in a well-positioned well um, spot. Now, I think it was probably, was it around... When when did you and I when did you start trying to turn me to your side? Was it before or after the English stab? It was um, before. It was. It's coming up because you make in spring '05. You make the move of the game that just frustrates the hell out of me because I was, was that when I moved. I was asking like, Burgundy. Yes. Yeah. Did you do that? Did Did they ask you to do that, or or did, was that just dumb luck? You moved there at the right time because. I was ready. I was. I. I've been scrapping for three years to get this leverage on Munich, and I finally had a force that he couldn't stop. And all of a sudden, here comes Ambi strolling into Burgundy to save the day. It it crushed me. It really did. So okay. So that was twofold. Why I did that. That was something that I did plan to do. Um, and the main reason for that was I was getting worried about. Uh, sorry. First off, I knew I was getting nowhere in Italy. And I, I guess I, I was starting to get paranoid around being overexposed in um, from an attack of stab effectively from England. So I think in um, the end of this fall, nineteen hundred and four, I think England's got one or two builds, and I thought uh, I was worried that he was going to soon um, be able to, to to attack me. So I think I started moving things back, basically. One of the reasons was I wanted Gascony up to Burgundy so that if there was any stab that came, I could kind of cover off Paris. But at the same time, uh, both England and Germany had also asked me to support Munich, and I thought, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that under the pretext of um, supporting Munich and just giving myself a little bit of insurance. Because I was also worried about 
a perception that I was moving uh, north at the same time to, you know, effectively um, they could be perceiving me as setting myself up to stab them, which was never going to be the case when I was too far south. Right. So I, there you go. I, I have a, I, so here's a question I, I have for you at this point. I was actually wondering this um, during the game, and I brought this up to Jason. Spring 1905, you got fleets in Tunis of, uh, and Tyrrhenian Sea. Italy's got a fleet in Naples. And Turkey's kind of left Io- the Ionian Sea dangling a few turns in a row. I was surprised that you never uh, made amends with Italy and say, let's work together to put a French fleet into the I- Ionian Sea. Did that ever cross your mind? It did, but it was too little too late. Um, oh. So it wasn't really until towards the... Um, probably the um, last year or two of the game, which we're probably approaching now, 1905. The game finished in spring 1907, I think, from memory, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. We're already close. Yeah, so around this time, I mean, basically, I was, I was. let's, let's be honest, Zach, I was stupid. And um, <laughs> I, I was, I mean, Turkey was saying, Jason was saying the right things to me around... Uh, when he was having brief conversations with me and not telling me to go away, he's waiting for somebody else. Uh, he was like, oh, yeah, 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 well, I'll kind of help, blah, 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 but didn't do anything. And this was – I knew things were, were going badly downhill at this point for, for me because actually we, we probably should have touched on in fall. You moved into – was it fall 1904 you moved into Venice? Uh, Yeah, that to, sounds right. With Bloody Turkey supported me in. Yeah, and at that point of time, that's when I thought, okay, right, now Turkey's full of shit. Um, <laughs> and it's time for me because I, I, I didn't want to provoke him and I didn't want to kind of, you know, start tapping the Ionian or anything like that to piss him off. Um, so, yeah, this is when I started talking to – and actually that move there, that was coordinated with Italy for Italy to go into Naples um, so that I can then backfill into the Tyrrhenian Sea so we could start actually doing something there against Ionian. Yes. But uh, around the same time in that um, build phase in 1904 going into spring 1905, this is when um, England built a a fleet in uh, London, uh, which he didn't tell me about. Uh, And so I'd moved up into Gascony, into Burgundy, as, as as had been discussed and planned. And this is when I decided to go, okay, North Africa now needs to go to MAO to cover off mm-hmm. a potential stab from the north, which didn't happen because uh, England was like, oh, no, 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 sorry about that. I should have probably let you know I was going to build there. Oh, if I was smart, I should have built in Edinburgh. That wouldn't have created any problems. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was it. Just a lapse in judgment. Absolutely, <laughs> that, that's all it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, he, he, but he did move north, um, and I did start countering all that stuff. Um, meanwhile, now I'm going. I'm getting nowhere in Italy whatsoever. So, and I've got no prospect of picking anything up. So, um, you meanwhile, you, oh, so you've got as I said before, you've got Venice. You're trying to get Munich. Um, I think I cut – a second, what do I do here? Oh, yeah, Germany and I had been trying to orchestrate something to kind of keep him in. So he was going to tap Bohemia with Tyrolia, knowing full yep. well that he probably would actually lose Tyrolia, but it would yep. be enough to ensure – because at that point of time, if um, 
Bohemia and Cilicia had both attacked Munich at the same time. Uh, Munich would have fallen um, because he, he was assuming Tyrolia was going to get tapped by Venice or Trieste, which of course it did. Uh, and Prussia, mm. of course, tapped Cilicia as, as, a, as a just to make sure. So, and that was until I could get into to Burgundy. So then we go up until fall 1905. At last, I start throwing love to Munich, and this was probably when you started saying, "Hey, hey, come on, leave these guys alone. <laughs> what do we have to do to kind of make a deal?" <laughs> I I tried to sweet talk you, and it it I didn't work. It didn't work, but um, you know, I, I don't know what what what. Well, sorry, yes and no. It didn't work, but it got, it got the result that I wanted because I did ultimately the game ended up in a, which is probably a bit sad, a six-way draw um, yep. in a couple, sorry, about one and a half years later. But my concern was this was heading very much towards a, um, and we'll talk about this in a moment, a, a, um, a, a Austria, Turkey, uh, England, you know, three-way draw effectively. So anything that was going to kind of keep me in the game for as long as possible was was of interest. Right. Um, so I'd moved up to MAO, as I said before. I'd stayed there. I didn't do anything to not provoke England. If I was smart and I had actually thought about this, I was thinking around at that point moving into um, uh RSC or English Channel to stab England. But I thought, uh, I'm only going to get maybe one supply centre. And the problem is I'm going to be moving there into one of those seas in fall, so I'm not actually going to be able to pick anything up for another game year. And by then I've well and truly shown my my hand um, and that he had fleets in the north who could come and get me and I would just have one isolated fleet in in one of those locations. Right. Um, But this was the same time that um, in fall 1905, this was the, the, the kicker as far as I was concerned because this was when uh, England uh, stabbed Germany and stabbed Germany really, really well, um, grabbing Warsaw and um, Denmark. Yes, um, yes. Whilst also then moving Norwegian Sea into Clyde to position himself um, in case, you know, I did move up against England. Um You'd meanwhile vacated um, Venice and gave it to the bloody Turks over <laughs> to Jason again. Uh, yeah, terrible move. I We wanted to take Rome, and I said, well, I think tactically better it works if you support me into Rome and you follow into Venice. Um, and if I had just taken a second to think, I would have realized, well, wait a minute. I If, if he has a fleet in Venice, what are we going to use to hold Rome? Yep. That's a disaster for me. And so... That was an ill, ill-fated deal for me. I went into Rome and immediately got blown up. Yeah. So um, when the when the stab happened, um, what was did it, did any of you guys in the east have any idea that England was going to do that? No, we didn't know, and we kind of, you know, our eyes widened, and we 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 had a little bit of hope for for a moment uh, that that maybe perhaps change was on the way. Well, I think, yeah, it's a bit more than change. Um, Certainly. And, of course, this then resulted in the um, the winter build phase, um, England getting two builds, um, a 
army in Edinburgh and a fleet in Liverpool. And at this point of time, when that fleet in Liverpool yeah. happened, I thought, uh, uh, I'm fucked. Um, That's not good for you. No. <laughs> Germany, meanwhile, disbands uh, Berlin. Um, he was smart enough to do that, I guess, because that was probably the area that he could afford to lose the most. Um, Italy's down just to one supply centre now with Rome, seeing that uh, Turkey's now picked up Naples and Venice, thanks to your handiwork. Um, yep. <laughs> and he builds a fleet in Con. Um, Moscow builds an army in... Oh, sorry, Russia built an army in Moscow. So let's see what happens in spring 1906. Um, this <laughs> so in the east, Constantinople moves into the Black Sea. Um, which makes me think, mm, okay, this is definitely then heading towards a three-way between Turkey, yourself, and um, and England, because mm. Russia is clearly not going to hang around much longer. Um, whilst England then moves into Moscow, um, grabbing another supply centre there. Um, you had another crack at Munich with that success. Sorry about that. But managed to get into yeah. um, managed to get into Cilicia. Um, yes, England paid a dear price, though. Yeah, England did something really weird at this point, which I didn't expect, and that was he moved a lot of these fleets. Like Clyde went back to Norwegian Sea, North Sea went to Norway, St Petersburg went up to Barents, and at the time, because I wasn't really talking much to England after his stab to Germany, because I'd actually, I'd made a decision that I needed to prop up Germany because I thought that was probably more advantageous to um, flipping to England. And in fact, this was when I made the call to move um, MAO into English Channel, Western Med into MAO. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, whilst he moved Liverpool into Wales. I was really hoping Liverpool would move to the Irish Sea that I could maybe go into London, but I didn't expect that to occur because I did think North Sea was going to stay there instead of moving to Norway. Um, mm -hmm. So this was a bit of a disappointing experience for me because um, this was my one chance to kind of stab England. Actually, I think it must have... To be honest, yeah, okay, so I didn't actually get stabbed by England at all. It was Germany got stabbed, but I felt like I got stabbed because... The alliance <laughs> fell apart, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, and his builds his builds looked like a stab. Yeah. It, he kind of brandished the knife. Well, yes, yes. I mean, I suppose the only thing he could have done even more um, dangerous to me would have been not just Fleet Liverpool but also Fleet London at the same time, which he probably should have done. But anyway, um, I think some, some, some – who, who was it that says, you know, England should build armies more more often towards the end of the game than it, than it does. Um, Kana, do you remember who says that? Is it Chris Martin? Uh, no, I can't. Can't remember. Okay, doesn't matter. Anyway, so um, so we're heading now into fall nineteen hundred and six. Um, England decides now he wants to move back into the North Sea. He then convoys Edinburgh to St. Petersburg, so that now makes sense why he made all those sets of moves. Um, uh, yep. I limpishly then just decided, okay, with MAO and English Channel, I'm in a position here to probably hold England off for a little while, So, but I don't want to provoke him um, again. I, I was probably a little bit too cautious this game. 
Um, this was the one time I think I actually had a little bit of fun with you because I'd moved Piedmont into Tyrolia with Munich support when for the first time Munich hadn't been tapped. Um, yes. And uh, that was that was a bit of good. But by this time, uh, Italy now was removed from the game with uh, Turkey successful now picking up all the Italian mainland centres. Um, and... Oh, God, it's a bloody mess in the east. What's with all those red arrows everywhere? Who's going where? <laughs> it's Germany had slipped an army. He we retreated from Ukraine to Galicia. Uh-huh. And so I had you know, I did a little self-bounce over Vienna to keep him out of there. And then uh, Russia tapped him in Galicia. Jason had a big chain movement fail. Yeah, a lot of red arrows. But that, that, that army in Galicia really caused a lot of them. And um, what, what went down between Jason and, and John around that fleet in the Black Sea? Because just as quick as it's popped in there, it's moved back out again, although rather weirdly into Bulgaria East Coast rather than anywhere else. Yeah, I think Jason took a shot. He was always kind of looking for a, a shot to, to catch John napping. And... John never moved out of position enough. So I don't really know what he thought was going to happen. I think, oh, you know what? He supported me into Serbia that spring. He wanted to take Romania. So we positioned ourselves with a ton of units on Romania. Mm-hmm. And the Germ- the German army in Galicia forced us to scrap that plan. Gotcha. And meanwhile, John as Russia successfully retook Moscow. So this is his... Um fighting back after Stalingrad effectively um, against the British rather than the Germans. So this was an interesting uh, development there that England was being pushed back again for once. And this Mm. is probably what kind of caused, as we then headed into um, spring 1907, you got to rebuild in Trieste um, cheekily, I think. Um, Jason built an army in um, Smyrna. Um, which tells me, you know, I, I can see straight away that's a Smyrna to Armenia supported by Black Sea because he moved back into the Black Sea. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then it's, it's, it's all over Red Rover in, in the east for Russia. Um, so with uh, Italy out of the game, I think this was when everybody then started going, okay, well, um, the... English assault, I think, potentially on on um, Germany and potentially myself had had um, fizzled out. Um, Russia was resurgent against England, but likely to fall against um, Turkey. Uh, and I thought at this point in time, Jason was probably best positioned to of all the players to head towards a solo if he really, really wanted it, and if he wanted to kind of start making alliances elsewhere around the board, that could have been quite possible. What was your take, or what was the feeling? That, I mean, obviously, you you felt that the draw was worth doing. What was going through your mind? Yeah, I felt fortunate that they drew here. We had about you know, for round two of massacre, they had a hard stop for time that we were about an hour and a half away from. But I thought that in that time, Jason really had nothing to lose by taking my centers. To be honest, and I thought he was in a position to work with John and and both of them. I. I had two. I had four units, and two of them were in Bohemian Silesia. <clears throat> I just had all these armies surrounding my home centers, 
So I thought, really, I thought it was curtains for me. And then all of a sudden, everybody's talking about a draw, and I, I could not have been happier. <laughs> I, I, I think Jason handily tops the board if he keeps playing and just eats me up. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the, so things kind of just drag themselves to, to a surprising draw. So, um, I th- I, actually, I thought there was probably only about an hour left. And, oh, I, know, I remember what one of the issues were as well. Because I was um, I was away on holidays um, and my, comp- my laptop doesn't, for some reason or other, and I don't know why, it doesn't actually do any of the, um, the verbal communication on Discord. I think because I've also got Discord on my app, it must kind of default to, um, sorry, to my iPhone. It must default to the iPhone as being the way that's done. And um, my battery was getting quite low. I was getting down to around about 10, 15%. So um, I think I'd indicated to my Western allies that, um, you know, if we're going to keep going, uh, I'm going to pretty much um, not be able to communicate with you very, very well. I'd only be able to, like, text type. And um, that would be something I could imagine. And I think I basically kind of said, look at all those Turkish fleets. He's going to plough into me. He's going to grab – and I think he's got – I think actually in spring 1907, he took – did he take Tunis or he was about to take Tunis? Uh, I, that didn't adjudicate, did it? I don't think that year no, happened. No, it didn't adjudicate. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I could see that um, Tyrrhenian Sea was going to – all he had to do was um, reorientate some of those those fleets around, um, you know, get a fleet into Naples. Between that, Rome and Ionian, Tyrrhenian Sea would have then fallen. Tunis would have then fallen. And then it wouldn't be long until Marseille, Spain, and, and Portugal had gone. So, mm-hmm. and at that point, he was <laughs> well and truly on the way to a solo. So, um, as much as it potentially of, of me not being able to communicate um, would have been allowed for them to, sorry, my, my allies, former allies, uh, England <laughs> and, and, and more so Germany to, to kind of attack me, I think Turkey would have done most and, and would have done best. So, I think that's part of another reason that things would have started to. Um, come to an end but it's a good game I had fun how about you I I had fun I I, I don't want to I'm scared to use the word good here I uh, <laughs> it, you know it, it was it was a a good game and I loved the discord this is my first time actually playing with the discord setup because I've only GM'd these games prior to this and I was very impressed. It was it was even smoother than I thought. It had a little it had a little quirk, a little negotiation quirk that doesn't exist in any other style of play, where you can pretend to run out of time. And Jason did this to me. I'm trying to think of where it happened. On one of his retreats, he uh, maybe it was spring 1904. He got he got retreated from Romania, and then he entered a retreat into my center, Serbia. And then he went and tried to talk me into it. And I said, no, I'd prefer you not do that. And he says, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go and change it. Oh, let me see. And he pretends to click around for his computer for about 30 seconds and uh, ac- accidentally didn't get it in on time. Big air quotes on accidentally. And so he retreated into my center. I thought that was really fascinating, the way that you could kind of use the c- computer clock to... Uh, almost feign, kind of like feigning a misorder, but instead of feigning a, a non-order. I suppose it would be the equivalent of, um, you know, writing your 
with your order in a notepad, putting it into the box, and um, and then him coming over and talking to you, and you guys coming to it, and it's like, oh, oh, my leg is it's sore. I can't get to <laughs> to, to the to the box to get my notepad out in time. Oh shit! Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I hate to see it. <laughs> Poor Jason's got a limp all of a sudden. <laughs> Ah uh, yes, so it was so there was a different set of um, experience for you then, like obviously being involved in in one of these games using Backstabber and and Discord as the main way of of talking to people. Um, I don't know about you, but I I find it's it's probably one of the short of like having the video going and everything like that. It's probably one of the better ways of being able to hybridize the game between like a real face to face game and an online environment. What what's your take? I agree. I thought it felt so much like the real thrill of face-to-face. And uh, I, I would love to see video get added, but I think even if video never gets added, just the way it is, is it recreates a lot of those kind of emotions and the tension and the, the, the feeling that you get from playing face-to-face diplomacy. Excellent. Um so, and you said before you've you've GM'd a few of these for the uh, the Minnesota Diplomacy Club. Um, how often are you guys doing that at the moment? Is it still about once a month? Yep, about once a month, and we're taking July off only because lately a lot more parties have started to kind of break into doing these games, uh, and so I decided our club will just kind of step out in July and let other clubs do it as to not compete with each other for a limited groups of players. So uh, the Washington DC club, the Potomac uh, tea and knife society, PTKS, PTKS, they're doing their game on July 5th. I think the same type of thing that we've been doing in Minnesota. And uh, who is the other one? Oh, the weasels, the Chicago diplomacy club have their championship game at some point in July and they might have, you know, a second kind of board just open to the public going at the same time as well. So there's plenty of diplomacy in July, and Minnesota decided we we kind of step out of the way for that month. But up until now, it had been, yeah, a game a month. And I, I, one thing I'm, I'm interested in is normally pre-COVID, you know, presumably your, your Minnesota Diplomacy Club was all coming together face-to-face, and it was just the locals. Presumably the same thing was going on in Washington, same thing going on in Chicago. Um, and then all of a sudden now it's a, it's a global, um, you know, uh, opportunity for people to participate where you would normally only get that experience usually for something big like, you know, a WDC or something like that, um, which I think introduces different game styles obviously from different players and also a whole heap of people that you haven't previously played before and and you know you don't know how they're going to play and you might have a bit of a feel for you know people who normally attend um you know the same club over and over and over again um i don't know whether whether that's been your your feeling uh, as the gm for the minnesota one how many people did you normally get coming along to any of your games that are outside the state most of our players have been from outside the state. Only maybe two or three actual Minnesota players have participated in the online ones. Uh, so it's it's been primarily a, a national and international affair, which I've been 
perfectly happy to do. I think that's made it a lot of fun. And um, have there been any technical challenges at your end in trying to GM these things, like um, players who you know, don't really understand the interface and need some hand-holding, or, or uh, do you think people now kind of get it generally? Yeah, there's there's been a lot of that, a, a lot, exactly what you said, hand-holding, and a lot of lessons learned from the first game to now. Now I've, I've kind of learned to be active and proactive in doing some of that technological work two weeks and three weeks in advance of the game. So I'm getting everybody, okay, you sign up for the game, join the Discord, here's a you know, a paragraph or two about how it will work, play around in Discords so that you know how it works before the game starts. I even made a, a small instructional video for the game in, in June or this month's game for some of these players so that they can just watch it two minutes and follow along. Here's how I change my username to match my country. Here's how I use the voice room and that type of stuff. So it's gotten to be very smooth. I think we've ironed out most of the, of the kinks, but at, at the beginning it was a lot of difficulty, a lot of learning curve trying to get, especially some older players used to the new interface. And the other thing, I guess, of all of these games that are going on at the moment is some of the live streaming that's been occurring as well um, with, um, I suppose, what is it now called? The Diplomacy Broadcasting Network coming along and, um, you know, there's a very different um, opportunity for anyone who's even not playing the game or viewing it later to kind of get a bit of a take for how others view things. Um, I, I don't know if... Did you hang around for when our game was discussed at all afterwards, or you'd already gone by? Then? I did. No, I was I was there for the whole stream. It was interesting. Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, and there, there's something obviously between just um, those people who are, are viewing things and interpreting it, um, who aren't necessarily aware of some of the conversations, but it still makes it interesting. Um, so. Where do, you, where do you kind of see potential um, for that going in the future? Because obviously if you're getting people involved in that space. Do you have any of them, at the um, um, involved, sorry, them being the uh, Diplomacy Broadcasting Network, involved in any future live streaming of any Minnesota games that are played online? Do you know? Yes, yeah. Anytime, anytime we host a game in the future, my plan is to have Diplomacy Broadcast Network there doing it. I I really I really like it. I think it adds a lot and it adds a lot for for all players. For new players, they have a ton of fun kind of watching these veterans talk about their play and also coming on this the stream and you know, just coming in as a new hobby and instantly being welcomed like that onto a stream to talk about how'd your game go with experienced players. I think that's a big uh, a plus for new players. People like that. So I, I would want to have them at, at every online game we have, without a doubt. Awesome. Um, Kano, I know I've been asking all the questions to date, and that makes a lot of sense because I was playing the, uh, <laughs> the game with Zach. Um, but you've been a little bit quiet. Have you got anything that you wanted to touch on at all? No, only that, you know, after listening to your side of things, um, both Ambie and Zach, about you know what you were thinking and how it was playing it'll um it'll definitely give me a bit more of an insight as to 
what was going on behind the scenes, what is being said by the commentators and the actual um, diplomacy broadcast network. Um, and so if, if I've actually got it up there on YouTube, but the, the bit where they're actually specifically talking about your game in particular starts at um, three hours and 24 minutes into the broadcast. So I'm definitely going to watch that in my own spare time because I've got a bit of spare time right now. Um, and hearing what you guys had to say about what was going on in the negotiations will probably give me a bit more of an in-depth um, understanding of what's going on and hearing what people are thinking about at the time as a as a viewer. So thank you very much. Actually, I'm going to ask you a question, Kana. So when are you going to start dipping your toe in the water of playing some of these online tournaments using um, Backstabber and... Um, fuck, what's the other thing called again? Discord. 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 Yes. Discord. Yeah. Um, uh, when I get a bit of time up my sleeve, I'll, I will. I'll, I, I do plan on it. Maybe when you guys get robots. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, no, seriously, it's um, it, it's all got to do with timing. Like, if, if I've got a good run of time and I don't have sort of deadlines hanging over my head, then, yeah, I probably will sign on. It's just bad timing so far. And look, I mean that's that's no different to a normal face-to-face game. You know what I mean? Like again, you ne- you do need to allocate you know a good five six hours um, towards that. And if you just don't have the time, you don't have the time. Uh, on top of other you know cyclical demands of of, of what's what's needed from you. Um, Zach, is there anything else you wanted to touch on at all whilst we've got you here? Uh, nothing in particular. Keep coming to games. I guess I'll plug the upcoming events you like i i mentioned earlier july 5th pt ptks associate game and you can contact david miller about that uh find them on their website or on the teams app if you're there on one of these discord groups we have and then philadelphia liberty cup is the next tournament that's august 1st a saturday there's going to be a morning round and an evening round so if you're uh, if this has piqued your interest in, in this type of play, uh, they're going to be running it the same way, Discord backstabber, and it's a lot of fun. I encourage people to to play. Awesome. Very cool. Um, thank you very much, Zach. Thanks for joining us on the show. Um, and also just thanks for being one of our, our um, Patreon supporters as well. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that uh, we're giving all of our Patreons a, a freebie interview. Uh, but... <laughs> But I, I think I think that um, you know you had a lot to to add to the conversation today, particularly around our game. So um, thanks very much for your time. Thank you, it's a pleasure. Glad uh, glad to show up. Love the show. You too sleepy. Look like you're about to fucking fall asleep. Well, I was awake throughout that whole interview. Believe it or not, I was drinking cups of coffee, and we're still recording too. Oh no. <laughs> um, no, no, but it was interesting to hear what you were saying about that game because there's been a whole heap of other bobs that have picked up and spoken around this particular tournament. Yep. So there's the Diplomacy Broadcast Network and um, the Diplomacy... You're very quiet. There's the Diplomacy Podcast that Armour the Heat put out and a couple others around this very thing so 
I thought it was interesting to hear the perspectives of players who were playing that game, even though I didn't have a lot Well, the thing I liked about this interview was we don't really go into very often a blow-by-blow around turn after turn after turn. Yeah, we don't really do that in our podcast. No. So it's good to do something different like that. It's always fun. Um, You're putting links to the game. Yeah, I'll I'll create links through the Backstabber game, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um, Because that's what I was doing. I was clicking through as you were talking about those specific concerns. I think I think I would have read the board differently at a couple of points. You would have what? I would have read the board differently. Yeah, I didn't read the board very well. I kind of I I had an inkling that England was going to stab me. Yeah. For quite a long while, I had that inkling, but I was stupid and overcommitted myself in the south. I think I kind of prevented a stab from occurring by moving units north at the right time. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough that he chose to stab Germany rather than me. Yeah. But it's just throughout the whole dynamic of the game at that point. From being a east versus west three by three against three. Did you find that you were at an advantage or a disadvantage being an Australian? Um... I think I was still coming into the game fresh. Oh, yeah? And like others had been playing for quite a long while. Played each other a gazillion times. I mean, you think about when we uh, when we were down in Melbourne, we were playing down there face-to-face. And um, you start off the game, you're all kind of... Yeah! And remember, you got... you. I mean, I remember you personally got to a point where it's like... Eh, nah, have a bit of a break for a while. I'm fucking... You weren't all diplomacyed out, but you were. You just needed a bit of a break. Well, I knew another game would have turned me diplomacyed out, and I didn't want to do that myself. I've been there, done that. So the intensity of the first game, I think, sometimes affects people's gameplay, backing up in the second game shortly after. Yeah, 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 probably. Unless you're the type of person you're just staying to warm up by the time you get to the second game. In which case, good on you. Um, I don't know more what we can say about that, because you guys went into it pretty depth. Yeah, I think so. Um, but thanks, Zach. Cheers. Thank you, Zach. Cheers. Always good to catch up with Zach. Yeah. Hopefully next time we actually get our shit together and actually um, work together as teammates rather than being... Um, Adults. Well... Not being able to find common ground until it was too late. It's a very diplomatic way of putting it. <laughs> um, now, before we jumped into this, you were going to go into a game based around the continent of Africa. Yeah. Yes, so um, we, we started talking about this in our Patreon episode, and you said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just keep this one through to um, our normal episode. So there's a, uh, a, a variant that's called Africa. Um, it's not a bad variant at all, to be perfectly honest. Although I think some people find... I've seen in, in, in conversation that Morocco probably tends a little bit too... does too well out of this one. Um, the African variant, no surprising here, is uh, based on the continent of Africa. 
eight-player thing, yeah. Yeah, eight-player. It was um, created by Tristan. That's his, obviously his handle. I remember Tristan. He used to be around quite a while. Well, what happened to him? I don't know. But um, the map was adapted for um, the online environment by Tristan uh, Ollie, who was Oliver Orth, and um, Kana. Yours truly, yeah. I don't remember you doing this. When did you do that? Oh, I didn't. What did you do to help? I think I gave some advice. Wow. And they attributed it to me. I tell you what, if I actually get this bloody um, Black Death thing happening, I'm going to have to probably give you some small, asp- you know, Oh, aspiration, lots of words. Attribution? Attribution, yeah, sorry, I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> An attribution to you for some of the concepts and uh, big, big, big uh, uh, co-assistance from Toby that he delivers the goods. Anyway, so um, the players we've got in this game is, uh, I think, effectively uh, Ethiopia, Madagascar, South Africa, Zaire, Nigeria. Uh, what's the yellow dude? Mali. Uh, Mali? Yeah. Morocco and um, Egypt. And the thing I like about this one is it's a bit of a mix between the idea of standing neutrals and no standing neutrals. So you've got certain territories which are not... They're not normal players, but they've actually got neutral units in them. But other neutral SCs have no units in them at all. And I think that actually kind of relates to the... um, the balance in Africa without having too many players in the game. But it is a slightly unbalanced variant. Well, yeah, people said that because Morocco tends to do quite well because up in the north, the uh, northwest corner, um, I can see how Mali and, and Nigeria would kind of get into conflict pretty quick. I can see how South Africa could get in contact with... Contact. Conflict. Get into conflict with Zaire and Madagascar and um, how Ethiopia can get in contact Conflict. Conflict. (laughs) Zaire or Egypt, and Egypt can just probably start destroying wherever it fucking wants. I'm surprised Egypt doesn't do better. Anyway, so um, the game I'm in at the moment is, um, and you can listen to this in the the Patreon episode, is uh, uh, Joe Exotic inspired with the... um, the name of here, Kitty Kitty, obviously being Africa with big cats. Um, this is an anonymous game I'm in at present. So you can't say who you are. I can't say who I am. Mm-hmm. I've been surprised that one player hasn't really played that well. You know, there's been some, uh, I want to say not well, some very, very basic moves like in the opening, which I thought just didn't make much sense. Um, which really, you know, maybe he's playing defensive. I'm not really sure. But um, it's kind of worked out for me because it means that I've, I don't have an enemy on that front. Unlike another area where I started throwing love to and he started immediately moving my way. So, uh, yeah, why do players do this? I really don't know. Do they kind of have no fucking idea or something? I mean, this, this dude... And that dude and that dude are going to come into conflict so quickly it's not funny. Why pick another fight when someone's throwing you love? See, if someone sends me a support, whether it's a support move or a support hold, I think, awesome. That's one less fucker I have to fight. For now. For now. Yep. Yeah. I can focus on him later. I'll keep a unit in reserve. But I can focus my attention elsewhere. Yep. Right? I just don't understand 
if you don't need to fight, especially in the early games, why, why keep on picking that fight? Why keep on going at it? I don't get that. I mean, so... Maybe it's just like a dis... A, 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 a disresonance around gunboat where people just don't understand that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the game is um, now entering... It's, it's, about, it's about to go into the fall in the second year. And um, so fall second year, apart from the fact that now that bastard who I've been throwing love to has decided to head my way, I'm not actually attacking anybody else in my moves. I'm still keeping neutral with all my other um, neighbours. Do you think this variant accurately captures the size of Africa? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, Africa's I a big so. fucking place. Um, yeah. I just... I like how there's rivers in it. But do you reckon there should be mountains? There's not many mountains in Africa. There's one that's kind of down here around where um, Kilimanjaro is, around Tanzania and Kenya. There's not many other mountains. Oh, maybe the, the High Atlas. Yeah. Well, you got your Sahara Desert, which is just like this multi-lane highway going on. Yeah, you love the Saharan highway, don't you? Not really. Like, it's just a really hard continent to develop a variant on. Yep. I've seen a couple of them, and I don't... I don't think we've really hit... Like, the, 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 I don't think... There's been one that's really got me excited about the geography side. Yeah, well, I do like the map, but I don't... I just feel like there's something missing here. That's, that's, that's my feeling. I can understand that. Not that I'm going to do anything better. You know, I think this is a good placeholder right now. Well, you were involved in the development of this, so why didn't you step in and kind of fix it when you could have? Well, I wasn't involved with the development of it. I think I gave it advice. You, you, you've been given attribution. Uh, look, <coughs> I think what would be interesting around Africa would be if you just say, okay, let's just take the Congo and just really zoom in on the geographic features of that country, that area. Well, they have. There's a big fucking river in the middle of it. Yeah, but... I know, that's, that's almost the size of Europe. <laughs> I think you're being too... Um too generous in your geography. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just think Africa's like a great big untapped area for variant creators. I think there, there, there could be some really interesting scenarios you can put well, there. Why don't you start making some more variants, Kana? Actually, if I was going to be making a variant, I would make a variant about warlike squirrels. About what? Warlike squirrels. Warlike squirrels, yep, yep, yep. Who are fighting for control of this big tree. 
Okay. Right. Oh, Chris Martin's back. <laughs> Let me see. He's back here. I am blessed. Where's he hiding his drugs? I don't know. Maybe it's inside his speaker. But the speaker works. Maybe you can just like twist it open. It's one of those ones. Chris Martin, get in touch with us. Let us know where your uh, doppelganger in Brisbane hides his drugs. Um, squirrels. Yes. And supply centres are like acorns. Acorn, acorns. Yes. Supply centres. But when you eat an acorn, it goes. No, no, but this is where the tree grows its acorns. And you can control your territories of the tree. So the supply centres look like acorns. Yep. Right? Yep. And how do you show this three-dimensionally? Because a tree is not just a straight flat thing. It's like three-dimensional. No, you're looking down on it. Yeah, if you look down, how do you then do the vertical? Well, fractally, it's a tree. Yeah? But you can go up or down or sideways. No, you're just going left right. Okay. So tell me more about this. Was it... Squirrel, what was it? Rebumptious squirrel. You've got two types of squirrels. You got your fat squirrel and you got your fast squirrel. Yep. Right? And your fat squirrel can move along branches which are thick, and your fast squirrels can move along branches which are thin. And there's about seven or eight trees. And they're all kind of joined just at the ridges. But some trees are joined with thick branches and some trees are joined by thin branches. And that's the game I would create if I was going to do another one. Okay. Squirrel Wars. Maybe instead of fat squirrels and skinny squirrels, you can do like European squirrels and American squirrels. Red squirrels and grey squirrels. No, but you've got the two unit tops. That's the two unit tops. That's what I'm saying too. Just, I'm just calling them yeah, they're not group. going to be on the same team, are they? Well, no, they're team red squirrel, team grey squirrel. No, it's like an eight or nine player game. No, okay, you, so have, you, you have fat your squirrels. fat. You have your fat European squirrel, and you've got your fast European squirrel. You've got your fat American squirrel. You got your fast European. Oh, squirrel. Right. I was talking about more. Yeah. Like no, your two types game. of unit types, okay. right? And that, and then the different tree limbs which intertwine with each other. So maybe we don't worry about American squirrels or European squirrels. It's just fat squirrels or fast squirrels. So the fat squirrels. Or oh, it could be fat squirrels and flying foxes. Flying foxes? Yeah. <laughs> Convoy, they're fat squirrel cousins across gaps between tree branches. So this is like Australian fat squirrels. Yeah. Okay. You know, like, a picture of how architects, you're looking straight down at a, at a, at a map, and the picture of a tree looks like a fractal. Yes. Well, you just take a couple of fractals, put them around together, and then wherever the leaves and branches interlock, that's where so, territory connects. Okay, so I'd like to suggest something to you, which is like, you know in, on VDIP, there are variants which have different layers? Oh, yeah? You basically have like a classic map that's layered on top of each other. Right, yeah, I did that. Cool. What about something like that within the tree? So it's like the top of the tree, the middle of the tree, and the bottom of the tree. Yeah. And you can scamper up between, jumping between branches, 
to get from like the lower level to the middle level, and then the following turn you scamper up and jump into the top level. Only I think there should be four. There should be the canopy, the branches, the limbs, and the base. That would be my variant. That that that's that's where my head canopy? is going. Lower branches, most that's three levels. No, the canopy, the very tops of the trees. Yep. Then you have the tree branches. Then you've got the trunk. And you've got the base. So the base being near the ground. Yeah. I suppose some some acorns fall to the ground. That makes sense. But you wouldn't have any acorns on the trunk. No. But you have to get to the trunk to get to the butt to the to the boats. So maybe there's lots of acorns on the ground that have fallen from the tree. Yeah. Nothing in the middle. Yeah. And then you've got your main bit and then yeah. your canopy. Nothing much up there either. Well what would you got there then? Position. Position. Uh, yeah. And they're all evil bastards. They've all got like blood coming out of their mouths and so they're like drop bears. I was going to say zombie squirrels, but yeah, drop bears. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you who are American listeners or anywhere else, the drop bears are a, um, a very ferocious Australian animal. They look a lot like koala bears that normally just eat eucalyptus leaves. Um, but instead of eating eucalyptus leaves, they kind of feast on blood. Flesh. So they Flesh, yeah. So they kind of just literally will be up in a tree, we're walking past, you have no idea they're there, and they'll literally fall on you, and, and sometimes they... They kill people, particularly backpackers that don't know, you know how to keep their awareness of what's going on above them. We fall asleep underneath you from the streets. Yeah, yeah. So, like, we've got lots of problems here in Australia with, you know, drop bears and snakes, spiders and things like that. So, yeah. Crocodiles. Chris Martin lookalikes. Chris Martin lookalikes. There he goes again. <laughs> I reckon, seriously, we have to interview Chris Martin lookalike for our page, next Patreon episode. Yeah, 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 we should. <laughs> anyway, okay. So that that sets up one of the games I'm involved in. Moved on from Africa. We should get to another drink or something. Or I you do. Wanna, do you want to keep going here, or you want to go somewhere else? Somewhere a little bit quieter, right? We're back. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Pub three for our pub crawl. Pub three for our pub crawl for our um. No, fuck. Where, that's where nice. are we at? We were talking about Africa. What are you drinking? Um, yeah, I took a photo to make it easier for me to remember later on. What am I drinking? You're drinking a uh, new town of pale ale. It's nicer than the other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like mine. Like, I, I, I was kind of feeling after three pints of beer, I'm just, I know I'll be too gassy and bloated tomorrow, so I'm onto the back to the wine. And last we've got decent wine. I'm on a Wirra Wirra Woodhedge Shiraz. Ooh. Okay. What's it like? It's very tasty. It's very nice. It's at least a two supply centre opening. Ooh. Actually, it's like two supply centres, and you could have taken a third if you really wanted to without any problems at all, but you didn't want to set yourself up as an early target, so you chose not to and kept it in the back pocket for later. Oh, very good. Well, mine's like slipping into an easy early alliance. That's pretty good too. I agree. Speaking of um, easy early alliances, so we we talked a little bit earlier around that um, game that I was involved in 
in the Boston Massacre where I got uh, with when I was talking to Zach yep. and around the fact that you know I very formed very quickly that early easy alliance which was the Western Triple. Yep. And on top of that, I hadn't actually checked the uh, Diplomacy Games email. Oh, of yeah. course, go to diplomacygames.com, click on contact, send us a message. Yes. And I actually got an um, a email that came through during the day from um, Max Vax, who played as Italy. Oh, yeah? What's so, he have to say? Huh? What's he have to say? Um, he kind of politely chastised me um, in a good way. Yeah. Uh, thanking me for the game uh, and asking me whether I can explain why it was such a good idea for me as France to attack Italy and let eventually Italy, sorry, Turkey, take over all of Italy. Yeah. Um, and effectively beating me on the supply center count. So, uh, Max, hopefully we've touched on that enough in the interview with, with Zach. But I guess the main thing from my perspective was setting things up as a, uh, as a Western triple, I thought my best avenue would be to, obviously, as France, and if I can't attack England, and I can't attack Germany, it's got to be Italy. Right. So I went hard on Italy. Yep. Max is obviously a smart enough player to see me going hard on Italy, even though I was not saying it's okay. I think I, I think my worst team at the time was like, well, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. I can't guarantee anything, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Which pretty much means yeah, I'm going to attack you. Yeah. And understandably, as a result of that, he put all of his efforts to block me, which forced him to then work with Zach as Austria. Yep. And everything was going very, very well there until obviously Austria was worried that there was a Turkey-Russia thing happening. Uh-huh. And as part of that, he had to kind of par himself back to being a Turkey-Russia-Austria thing, which meant killing Italy, which Turkey largely got. Right. Okay. Does that... I hope it does. I think so. So it was just... It wasn't wasn't that I had a grand plan. It's just that I got thwarted by others who had better strategy at the time. Uh, Ah. But in the end, it it kind of drew with Max being eliminated, right? Yeah, poor Max. Poor Max. Still? I came third. In the tournament? No, I came third in the game. game. I came third in the tournament. Fuck. Jeez, what? Okay. We were going to talk briefly around this Western quintuple game. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, please. Thanks, Thanks Thank you. All right. Look at that. Okay, good. Uh, Western quintuple, Western quintuple. So, just be careful that we can't see each other's um, positions on this one. Not last time. I don't get, honestly, I'm sick of Apple products. Right. They just don't work when it requires them to work. So maybe not writing to Steve Jobs complaining because he's not going to listen to you anymore. No. Okay, I'll go to an open tab already. Thank you. Thanks, mate. 
So here we are. Should we do around the grounds on this one? Fuck, nice grabbing. Yes, good idea, around the grounds. So should we where start we the way start we started last time? Yeah, where did we start last time? I think we started with uh, Aragon. The yellow. The yellows. What we consider to Isn't be the main Castile? Place. Okay, Castile, sure. Is it? I don't know. Castile, yes. Okay. Let's so, start with Castile. Well, Castile has fulfilled the Reckon Wister. Well, the Reckon this one. Reckonista. Reckon, that's right. Yes, but instead of kind of marrying um, Aragon, he's uh, killed Aragon. Almost. Almost. In fact, he's just expelled the last prince out of Sardinia. Princess. Queen. Queen. Yeah. Isabella. She united the Iberian um, Peninsula. And then headed north. Pushed into Gascony and... Into Guillaume. Guillaume. So basically taken over the um, what started initially as the two English supply centres in um, France. Hmm. But had so, been owned on again, off again by France and England at different stages. Interesting to see what happens from here. Um, Burgundy. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Um, I don't think... Castile is in a position to really overtake Burgundy at this stage. I don't know. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunities in the south because once that um, last, let, let's just kind of combine maybe Castile and Aragon together because Aragon's down to one unit and no supply centres. Yep. Once that's disbanded, he's got Aragon's got full control over the Mediterranean. So that means that. Depending on how things go with this southern border with Burgundy, it might be stalemated, it might kind of maybe just slowly chip away. It's hard to tell, especially when England in Toulouse is holding, throwing, throwing love to Burgundy and Languedoc. Yeah, Toulouse is yeah, vulnerable at this stage. Um, well, so Languedoc depends where Castile wants to throw his weight. It depends. If, if, um, if Burgundy in Languedoc support holds to lose and doesn't get cut is fine but if it gets cut then yeah to lose will fall but there's and a line there's a control. stalemate line on the southern part of France that Burgundy could hold if he has a friendly north mm. which looks to be the case so should we move on to Burgundy a friendly who if Burgundy has a friendly north then John, John, let's go to Burgundy so Burgundy, as you said, seems to be friendly with um, England. He's throwing love from Luxembourg to what's BRA? It's where Rotterdam is, basically in, in um, modern day Holland. I don't know what BRA stands for. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, there seems to be friends going on there. And likewise, England is throwing love to Burgundy and Languedoc. So I think it's pretty clear those two are allied. Um, Burgundy is continuing to grow, 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 grow. Well, mostly against France. Totally against France. So France has lost the um, 
build a parade. Because France is going to lose three supply centres, maybe four of his team. Why three? Oh, yeah, three. Yeah, Guillaume, Normandy, and uh, Ile de Paris. Yeah, yeah. Well, as we said before, I mean, I remember last time we quite touched base about this, I, thought, I said that France was fucked, and it's even more fucked than before. Yeah, it's getting hammered from all sides, so there's not much going on there for France. No, so I think, I think um, uh, Aragon's the first one out, and then France is not too far out the way. And then it'll come down to whether Castile has enough to um, you know, turn back the Burgundy-English tie or whether they'll you know, push for a draw. We'll go three ways, that's how I'm seeing this. England looks like he's a bit landlocked. Um, landlocked? What do you mean? Landlocked. He's, he's got Hollywood fleets. Yeah, but he can't actually break into the Middle Atlantic without taking Britain, right? Britain, eh? Well... If I was England, I would move Normandy to Brittany, supported by English Channel, supported by Atlantic Ocean. I guess, though, yeah, I can see where things are going to go wrong here because support's going to be cut from mid-Atlantic to Atlantic. Yeah, yeah, okay. So maybe maybe this will be... Maybe um, France will kind of continue on as a bit of a gimp for a while to a bit of a bitch to um, Castile. Or England, depending. Or Burgundy. I know. Still a little bit of playing out to go. I don't, I don't think I don't think France is going to be nice to Burgundy or England. Seeing both of them have been, you know, Rodringham. Whilst at least Castile's been quite nice. By taking a, a supply centre when you mix no Well, no, no, no. If you, my recollection of this map has been... It's, oh, well, I think I checked before. Um, I think France actually disbanded in Guillaume. So it left it vacant. Yep. Alright. But maybe France was trying to encourage Castile to move up. <laughs> I don't know. What do you, what's your take? Uh, I think... I think it's a nice map. I think that there could... There looks like there's some quite simple stalemate lines to form. Yeah... I, I don't think, know. I think this map makes it a really difficult one to, to, to solve. I don't know that there's many stalemate lines at all. I think the complexity of the territory connectedness within, um, I'll call it mainland Europe, but it's really that whole France, Burgundy, um, Low Countries area, is just so, there's so many connections between a lot of units, no, a lot of other territories. I don't think there's too many um, opportunities for um, uh, stomach lines. Do you think England's in a place to stab Burgundy? Is this built anywhere or not? Oh? Is this built anywhere or is it only home, home supply centres? It's built anywhere. Well, if England built a army in Flanders, moved to Champagne, and then move Champagne to Luxembourg with BRA support. Hell yeah. But it depends on whether um, Burgundy's wise enough to then, you know, counter that with a build in Lorraine. Which may not, you know, because of that Castile threat in the south. No, you're right. Probably more likely to move build in Lyon or Switzerland to um, shore up the south. 
especially if Toulouse falls to uh, Castile and then Castile then takes Languedoc. I, 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 I think, personally, I think this game is heading towards a Castile solo. You reckon? I think if England turns on Burgundy, it's a Castile solo. Yeah, no, well, that's what I mean. I think England will turn on Burgundy and then uh, England won't realise that Castile was solo. <laughs> Right. Now the other game we promised we were going to talk about was this um, Scotland. Yeah, uh, the Scottish plans game that we're yeah. both in, but it's anonymous, so again you need to kind of position the page so we can't see who's playing who. That's right. I must say, there's one one downside about being here at the Elephant. We're in a, like a bit of a beer garden that's got no garden. That's fine. But we don't have the um, the street life walking backwards and forwards all the time, so we've lost our soulmate, our, our Chris Martin drug dealer soulmate. <laughs> By the way, Chris, as we said before, he just looks a little bit like you. It's not really you. Oh, we didn't take photos. Let's go take our word for it. Oh, we should take photos. Yeah, good idea. Show to the police later. Look below for Ambie's attempted photoshopping. Yeah, it was just like dodgy <laughs> cut and paste. cut and paste out of you know Diplomacy Academy, put it onto this other dude. <laughs> anyway, so um, Scottish um, clan war. So we're in the game of um, oh, yeah, actually, well done with again. I can't see what the thing is. So good job. What's up, your kilt? Is it what's up, your kilt or your kilt? Your. Nah, you should, it shouldn't be your, it should be yeah. yeah. What's up, your kilt, buddy? Yeah, kilt. Well, I'm still in it. Are you still in Um, Without giving too much away, yes, I'm still in it. We have had... Two eliminations. Is it two? Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, Green, who was, I can't remember. Hebrides. Hebrides is gone. And Glasgow's gone. Faded by... Sorry? Baited by Edinburgh and Kilkey, is it? Kiltop. Oh, fuck. Kiltop. Kilkoy. Kil... As I mentioned before, it's that, that uh, Paul McCartney song, Mulligan Tide. Can Tide. Mulligan Tide, blah, 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 Kintai. blah, blah, blah. Aberdeen's still in it. Orkney Islands are still in it. And Dundee's still in it. So can Kiltai's... Currently in the lead, 12 supply centres. Followed shortly by Dundee on 10. Ten. Edinburgh on 7. Seven. Orkney on 3. Yeah, but Orkney's not in a good position to retain that, I think. I don't know. It's not a bad position. I'm yeah, it may, may, may keep, it may not. I suppose, I suppose the main thing is that... that um, Orkney's been lucky enough to kind of get behind um, uh, Kill Kill the oh, fuck Kill Tire Kill Tire um, their lines so he may kind of be able to compensate for any loss around John O'Groats or the Orkneys themselves he's got a good stand look shall we do the round the grounds can we just do that Scotland. Those ships were good. They were. Good spot. 
we'll start with the Orkneys, move on to purple, yellow, red, brown. Okay, good. Pink. So, Orkneys. Orkneys. See, he's not in a bad position at all because he can't actually be invaded. Oh, yes, because... Because there's a fleet in Kintyre, Yuliapol, whatever it is. Which is on the west coast and can't get to the east coast. Can't get to Inverness, right? Yep. So, provided he keeps an army in Inverness, or a unit in Loch Ness can't take it. Yeah? Yes. These two have been battling forever. Have they? Yeah. Moro Firth, this needs to move to John O'Groats, either he bounces Cape Wrath, yep. or he gets it, and then it's a 50-50 chance as to whether or not Cape Wrath moves to the North Sound, tries to try walk or John O'Groats. In the meantime, the, uh, as we said before, um, Orkneys has got a unit behind the lines of Kiltop, Kiltop, Mulligantar, Kiltop. Kiltop. I'm going to have to drop that in somewhere in the, in the music. Um, into the North Atlantic Ocean, where he can start raiding either the Isle of Harris, which would mean, could be blocked by the um, Kiltire in the Little Minch. Minch. Yep. Or he might move down to the Sound of Monarch to uh, threaten the uh, Oost Isles. Either way, either way, it's a guessing game. The challenge, I think, with this game is that um, it's only you can only build in your own home supply centres. So even if you get a forward position, it's hard to exploit that unless you keep pumping units across to a rear... Offense. This game wasn't made to be balanced, I don't reckon. Orkney starts with two, Hebrides start with two, fucking Dundee starts with four. Really? Edinburgh starts with three. Glasgow was three, I think. Yeah, moving on, Dundee. Dundee and Loch Ness. He's fucked. Yeah, Loch Ness has got no way to come back from the game unless for some reason. Um, Inverness support holds him. Which isn't going to happen. Orkney's been at his throat forever. Um, the Orkney's been at... I uh, said, so the purple one is... Is actually Inverness itself, is it? What is it? What's the purple one? Deep, deep purple's Aberdeen. Aberdeen, okay. So you're saying that Orkney and Aberdeen have been in each other's throat the whole game? Yep. So you don't think there's going to be any late luck? No, I doubt it. Um, given the situation of this Kintai fleet, Cape Wrath, yep. um, I sort of see Orkney trying to defend in the north and won't try to push to Loch Ness, leaving this yellow guy taking Loch Ness. That's what I see happening. Yep. What do you reckon? I don't know, I was just thinking actually about the old Chris Martin dude walking back and forth in the stream. <laughs> Have you gone by four times now? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, say that again, please, Connor. Well, so, I reckon on, pink's going to defend against brown because yellow's going to take purple. Yes. So do you, reckon, do you reckon pink and Dundee, which is yellow, so Orkney and Dundee, do you think they're, they're uh, allied? I mean, I've noticed that Dundee seems to have pulled his fleet back from 
potentially creating any issues in that area. Yeah, look, I reckon if Dundee had intentions that direction, he'd be building more fleets and sending them north. I would have expected such a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I were playing Dundee, I'd probably be thinking that um, it's not worth it. There's only a couple of supply centres up there. But a couple of supply centres may be enough for a solo. Potentially, yeah. So watch this space. Dundee, in the meantime, he's sort of pushing across to the west here. East. Straight west. Oh, Dundee's going west, yes. Yeah. Um, it's quite interesting what's happening between Dundee and Edinburgh. It's like those two can't get their fucking shit together. I mean, I've noticed a couple of times, one of them's been throwing love to one another, they just ignore it, they just do some other different moves. They repeat the move, and the other dude does something different. So I don't think those guys have got their shit together at all. Um... Oh, we should mention when we're recording this, by the time you actually listen to this, the game may in fact be over. Maybe finished, yeah. <laughs> um, look, I, I, I think Edinburgh looks like he doesn't trust Dundee. I well, think I think he's supporting yeah, him. Yeah, I think he's even just though worried Dundee about doesn't have any sort of threat against him. I, I, um, look, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's like it's a two against two. So unless you support, there's, there's a real threat there. Could be like a surprise attack maybe happening when he, when Dundee decides to go to solo. It looks to me like Edinburgh is fixating on Kintyre on this. Well, I would think so of... too, but I think at the same time Edinburgh is too. I think Edinburgh is in the dilemma that it probably wants to fixate on Kintyre, but um, is too worried about the perceived build-up in the north and is trying to, to um, safeguard himself there. Now, Kintyre is spread out over the entire west coast. Um, he's been successful in removing Hebrides and is that Glasgow, the blue one? Yeah, blue's Glasgow. Yeah. Um, but seems like he Miami may have reached his over overstretch. Maybe. He's currently yeah. in the lead. Um, we'll just see if the others can get their shit together and stop him. Yeah, I think I think you need like um, Edinburgh, Dundee and Orkneys to kind of start coordinating as one to be able to stop him. I think once they do that, Kiltai is not eliminated but definitely knocked down a couple of pegs. Yeah. Because his position in the um, the far west, so the islands and where he kind of builds and shit, is quite um, defensible. Because, as we said before, because he can only build at home supply centres, literally anyone who's a player on the east coast has to move fleets all the way around the top, all the way into the east. And that's um, problematic, I think. Yeah. It makes for an interesting map, in that sense. But you see what I was telling, like, saying this was a few episodes ago, we are talking about this variant. It's an east-west very thing. Yeah, it's a very north-south-east-west, but there's no real circumnavigation going on. There's no... No. It's like up-down, up-down... Is that east-west? East I think well, it's east-west. 
you're either going east-west or you're going north-south, but you're not really going... Perpendicular? 45 yeah, degree angles. You're not, you're not really engaging the entirety of the board. Right. Oh. You're not like England who can threaten Italy. Which is possible, you know. Yeah, well, it's possible, but it's highly unlikely. How often does England threaten Italy? Well, the great thing about the original Maybe one by like, about 904, 5, best case scenario. Maybe 3, best case scenario. Could threaten Italy in autumn 1902. What, technically or realistically? Technically. I mean, you have to get, like, honestly, you have to get into you like have to a. Fluke the English Channel, get the Mid Atlantic, jump into North Africa, and you're threatening Tunis. No, what you'd probably need was be like an England-France alliance where they're working together in the north against Germany and working in the south against Italy, where, where effectively France has said, I'm okay with you having Spain's south coast or maybe probably Spain's south coast. And Jesus. France has Portugal and then you keep moving on then towards Italy. That would take balls of steel from both sides. Really? Yeah, yeah, very that's heavy. A, that's a ballsy, heavy balls of steel. Ballsy stuff. But can you imagine that? Like, France supports England into Belgium. Right. Moves to Portugal, lets England into Spain's Spain, south, south coast. coast. Moves through Spain, back into Gascony. Why would. Who? Oh. Um, France, France. In, in it takes Portugal spring to Spain oh. Spain to Gascony would be Gascony to Port- Burgundy by then they would already oh, bought yeah, you Burgundy, know, support, Burgundy you know. fleet to Gauth Lyon jeez that'd just be like a it's, it's kind it's of like, like a western in, juggernaut <laughs> or an inverse fucking it's an inverse Lepantro kind of thing does that ever happen I've never seen that happen, ever. There's probably good reasons for that. (laughs) Yeah, apart from two drunk guys talking about it at a bar. But can you imagine that, though? Like, that would really set you up, wouldn't it? Screw the North. Encourage Turkey to get into conflict with Russia. Germany to engage in Scandinavia. Bam! Italy's knocked over like a domino. Bam, there goes... Like, honestly, like if England and France are going to work together against Italy of all places, wouldn't they first work together against Germany? Well, yeah, they kind of are because they've got the English army in Belgium and an English fleet in the North Sea. But then quickly you can probably get that army in Burgundy into Belgium into Ruhr, get Burgundy into Munich. Yeah, so it's then like up to Kiel. Anti-Germany, anti-Italy. So you expand across the south and expand across the north. Yeah. I reckon it's doable. What the sandbox that for a bit. Anyway. I'd like to see that. In action. Is this a doable thing, folks, or is this just chip talk? I think it's, it's, it's technically a doable thing. But honestly, if you... If you I don't know about you, but if you come to a game, particularly a face-to-face game, you're England, I'm France, 
and one of us comes up with that plan. Do you okay? Do you honestly think it's real? I don't know. It'd be worth having a go. I mean, I know from the Western Triple I was involved in that uh, Boston Massacre game. I was like, yeah, I think. I mean, it sounded like legit. But that's amongst a group of three where you kind of know that if one bastard is actually lying, you can hopefully rely on the other guy. Unless, of course, the two of them are lying against you. But I, but that particular game was orchestrated by the fact that the, the amount of time to play the turn was, I don't know, 10, 15, probably 15, 20 minutes. And we'd spent probably about 12 minutes conspiring together. So it lent itself to believing it was likely. I mean, unless, of course, literally, you start a game, it's a 15, 20-minute turn, and you and Eng- uh, you as England, me as France, spend three-quarters of that time planning. But think about why France and England just are, cat- are catastrophic partners, right? France can't trust all of those fleets floating around from England. England can't trust France because... Well, he doesn't have an arm. Right. Well, English doesn't trust France at all. Yeah. 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 Now, it's like a win-win. If England is beholden to France to take Tunis, that removes the threat of England fleets all bobbing around, right? Yeah. They've actually got a purpose. England is there stuck in Tunis supporting France for survival, but also against Italy, right? and allowing for the land-based forces of the north to pound into Germany. It's like a match made in heaven. Well, it is a match made in heaven because, you know, it's a bit unrealistic. It's just never going to fucking happen, but I'd love to see it happen. It would just be beautiful. So, if an England-France alliance to that effect is unrealistic, what else is unrealistic? It's only unrealistic because no one trusts each other, but I could see someone... I could see... I could see that working because no one sees that actually working. No one would ever no one see would ever an believe France alliance. No one would ever believe it in that sense. An English France alliance in order to attack Italy. What the well, fuck? But even Who against Germany, you, you know about? what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. But the I two mean, of them got together. Few scenarios where that happens, but well, you know, but but, but Germany and Russia in that mix, but. So would you? So if you were doing that, would you rather start with a Western triple? We happen to negotiate with Germany to get England into Belgium. So, as far as the Germans concerned, it's a Western triple. And then very, very quickly, France and Italy work together to take down... Sorry, France and England work together to take down Italy. Which, from my point of view, as just being involved in that as France and being solely the person down but there... imagine having an extra fleet early on. From England, from England, and if I trust him, sure. Yeah. See, I think, I think instead of thinking Western Triple, you throw in you English, England, France, Russia as the triple. England, France, Russia. What? Just smash Germany, smash, smash Germany. Italy, smash Italy. That would give Russia breathing room to then power on south, bring France and. Unless things broke yeah, up England between across. England and... You'd want to be France in that game, wouldn't you? Because if things broke down between England and Russia... And just France, to... France plays a supporting role in the north, but a powerful role in the south. 
England plays a supporting role in the South and a powerful role in the North. Russia provides the distraction and gains across the board. Yeah. That's how it works. Mm. Interested, guys, if anyone's ever done that. England, France, Russia, triple. Or even just an England-France alliance that took on That went to Italy. the net. Yeah. Because <laughs> why not? Screw it. Screw it. Anyway. Um, you reckon we've gone a bit I, enough for I that? Think, I think we're done. We've got a Patreon to record, yep. Yeah, uh, and I think we'll probably need another drink and we have to work out some material. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm Ambi. I'm Kana. Thank you, guys. Listen to us. We're all good podcasts to play. And check us out at diplomacygames.com. Give us a like or an email or a PM, whatever. Yeah, it's all good. Cheers, guys. Bye.